Have you ever found yourself after a game of D&D debating over a particular rule that came up and trying to figure out, as a group, how to break it? As a DM, do you get that feeling of dread when your player asks, if you look at it this way? Well, we decided to turn that into a podcast. A group of DMs come together every episode as we discuss how rules is written, we can figure out how to maximize what we can do with a rule, and how we can use other rules to break the game. Each episode, we will be joined by a guest, including DMs from some of our favorite podcasts, and get a sneak peek behind the DM screen from some of our favorite shows as they share their own thoughts and experiences on a particular rule and how it has affected their games. Please feel free to jump in on our discussions by leaving us a comment on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or feel free to email me at dm at dndraw.com, or send us a tweet to at rules as written and let us know how the rule may have come up during one of your games or how you figured out a way to break the game that we didn't discuss so thanks for joining us hey everyone i'm tony hi this is bethany hey this is rachel my name is joshua c mcmahon I was actually going to say, you wanted to bring up uh, one of the teleportation spells yeah. that we didn't. So we missed the spell when we were covering our gate spells and teleport spells and misty step. Uh, I came across this when I was prepping for my next session. Uh, word of recall. Ooh. You and up to five willing creatures within five feet of you instantly teleport to a previously designated sanctuary. You and any creatures that teleport with you appear in the nearest unoccupied space to the spot you de- you designed. <laughs> Designated. When, when you prepared your, your sanctuary, if you cast a spell without first preparing sanctuary, the spell has no effect. You must designate a sanctuary by casting the spell within a location such as a temple uh, dedicated to or strongly linked to your deity. If you attempt to cast a spell in this manner in an area that isn't dedicated to your deity, the spell has no effect. So this uh, I thought was particularly interesting, not only because it lets you teleport, and it clearly seems to me that you're not going to have your momentum continue. You're just going to appear in, in your sanctuary. But this begs the question, if you and your party, say, are falling, how do you get to everyone to be within five feet of you? Because it seems unlikely you're all going to be falling in, like, a skydiving formation unless you have the opportunity to angle yourselves into that formation as you are falling. <laughs> Misty step and word of recall. <laughs> well, since I can't cast uh, I can't cast word of recall because it's level six, I think I only get level five spells. Yeah, so it looks like it has to be a cleric type spell. Or a sorcerer. Uh, I don't think sorcerers are typically have a sanctuary. Uh, maybe. Warlocks? I don't know what level they get up to. Yeah, who would use this? Druids, maybe? I would say the only one, other one I can think of, I can double check really quickly, but it would either be a druid or a cleric. And it is only vocal component, by the way. I think you just go, sanctuary, and go. Yeah. Can you check which uh, spell list it's on, Tony? This is a really interesting spell. Yeah, because it's like, who uses it? Yeah, it's actually super cool. It's your get out of jail free card when you when you've done goofed. When you done goofed, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but you all have to be together. Clerics are the only ones. Really? Okay. Yep. I'm totally getting that Azolus. Unless you picked, um, aren't isn't there a way for bards to pick up some other class spells? I don't know if they can pick a spell level this high. Yeah, I think they get lower level spells. They have up to ninth level spells. Yeah, but usually what it does when you get to pick from another spell list, it's up to level five spells. Usually, I could be wrong. I'm like, that's kind of annoying that only clerics can get it. 
Like, but within the the context of the spell, it definitely you're going to a sanctuary. It doesn't make sense for a lot of other classes. Uh, bards, I think. Paladins, it would. paladins, and paladins would, would but bards, they don't only. Well, bards aren't very religious. Some could be. Have you known any religious bards? I haven't known many bards. <laughs> bards can bards can learn it. Okay. Um, it's their ability, magical secrets. Yeah, they can choose two spells from any class. It must be a level of which you can cast or cantrip. And I mean, it counts as a bard spells for the sake of the bard, but you get to do it twice: uh, two spells at level ten, two spells at level fourteen, and two spells at level eighteen. Yeah, so they would be able to pick it up then. They can cast it. Uh, it seems bards and clerics. So this is one of those bard things where they just get to pick up things because they they know everything. Because bard. Because bard. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Zolus is going to get this. This is a really nice spell. I was about to say, you know, Zolus gets it automatically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 but I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna prep this because it's yeah. really cool. <laughs> Next time a rock attacks, uh, if things go sideways. Well, just to get back to Red Larch, say if I don't know, there's a floating castle in the sky that suddenly appears. Mm-hmm. It has to be cast in a sanctuary. Well, you have to cast sanctuary first, right? Um, there is the All Faith Shrine. But would that count? Is that strong enough? That's the thing. It would depend. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Zolus actually kind of has a weird deity situation. You, you designated when you prepared your sanctuary. See below. Which is where it says you designate a sanctuary by casting this spell within a location. Oh, uh, I see. Mm-hmm. Dedicated or strongly to your deity. Since your deity is the Tempest, I would think you would have to uh, prepare it, not necessarily in a temple, but somewhere that was conducive to worshipping the storms. Like maybe the water cultists. Oh, no. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Just a thought, guys. Yeah. Hmm. Well, another question would be: Could you sh- essentially set up in your house almost like an altar? Have a priest come by and and bless it? Well, being a priest, I would bless it myself. But yeah. So, well, you must designate a sanctuary by casting the spell within a location such as a temple dedicated to or strongly linked to your deity. If it's a shrine, a small shrine within a home that you have or base? Honestly, I think it's less of, I mean, I think you could if you prepare it, but really your deity would have to accept it. So the DM gets to choose. That's it. As is always the case. I'm not advocating for too much DM power, but but it does make sense to me that your deity has to decide whether or not they're linked to that spot. So best bet is ask your DM, hey, if I make this shrine and bless it (laughs) and all of these things and I have word of recall, can I use it for this? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Hmm. But it's a very nice way to get home really quickly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But I guess the question is is whether or not that keeps your, was it the momentum, terminal velocity yeah. question? Yeah. It does say you appear in a space. So didn't we decide last time that, because it does say teleport, so again, as in the spell teleport, didn't we decide teleport did not keep your terminal velocity? Correct. That's correct. That's what we, that's what we determined with all our worldly wisdom. Okay, so your neck oh, would break yeah. and you just well, die. We're only wisdom. Yeah, just whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> Snap. We're there. We're all dead. We, we, we decided we are not worrying about that. <laughs> Deceleration is not a thing. Hold on, I want to put on right. my neck brace first. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, because magic. Yeah. 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 The magic really just completely negates the deceleration. Oh, oh, it's magic. So... <laughs> that being said, that's a fantastic spell. I, I'm really interested in having that. I, I don't think I've ever seen the spell used. That's why we forgot about it. Well, we're all babies. <laughs> Level six spells are so far away. I will never get them, in fact. So, yes, yes, they are. I think they're only two levels away from us right now. Ooh. I think level 11. 
Heck yeah. For Zola's, anyway. <laughs> okay. I feel I feel like you guys are gonna be jonesing the level really fast again. What? <laughs> no. No. Uh-uh. But never. We're always jonesing to level. But we haven't leveled in so long. It's been one session. <laughs> I know. That's too long. <laughs> Don't judge us. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm the I'm the same way. I lobby Tony. I do. If if we could preferably level twice in one session, that'd be ideal. That'd be ideal. Mm. Just throw two dragons at us. Just bring us. a bring another sheet and just swap it. Yeah. Well, just forget story. You guys will just do straight up. Just like not even a dungeon crawl. I'm just gonna like put you guys in a field and throw monsters at you. You you could just grind XP. <laughs> Yay, Final Fantasy. That'd be perfect. Can we boil an <laughs> anthill? No, there's actually... I was in a campaign once uh, where we actually did level twice in one session. Like, we just... Was it the first session? From, like, level 8 to level 10. Oh, God. Yeah. What did you fight? kind of ridiculous. How long was your session? I don't recall. I think this DM was super generous in terms of wealth <laughs> and leveling. <laughs> oh, this is the one you talked about that you just guys became way too powerful way too quickly. Yeah, there were there were two different games I well, I won't go too far into it, but just suffice to say, we did double level very very quickly. It was interesting. You could say it's different. I I try to make you guys earn it cuz then you're super excited when you do level. I agree. Like fist pumping and Tony going raw and stuff like that. Yeah, we got to kill something big. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I have to come up with a bigger thing every time. And then skin it. Yeah, and skin it. it. So we had a dragon, and then we had the monk, and then we had... And then make it into clothes. <laughs> <laughs> we have to wear our levels. <laughs> you pretty much have for, like, the past, what, three? Or is it only two? Oh, gosh. Let's see. Dragon turtle. Dragon. I think that's it. Alligator. Oh, yeah, the alligator, yeah. yeah. So it is the past three. <laughs> Okay, so slight tangent. Not that this entire podcast so far hasn't been a tangent, but we have an outline, <laughs> which we're following loosely. My uh, yeah. my roommate today, he gave me a call while I was driving to work, and he's like, "Hey, tell me about your characters again." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I describe both of them, and I describe Zolus as this uh sort of pi- pirate. Mm-hmm. who came from a wealthy family, but then turned to the high seas for more extravagance and less. Uh, you know, namby pamby, whatever, rich it's, life. It's, it's namby pamby. Yeah, namby <laughs> namby pamby. <laughs> but I, I did have to qualify that uh, at one point I had received an alligator skin as a coat, so I basically look like a pimp slash pirate. <laughs> I think he's going to be getting me some sort of miniature, so we'll see what that looks like now that I've described oh. it to him in this way. Do you have regrets? <laughs> no, nothing. I'm but. actually really excited to see this. I'm super curious. I'm really, I'm really excited, and I, I can't wait for it to arrive in the mail. I think he ordered it today, so it, it might be a couple weeks, but I'm super thrilled and very touched. That was a nice. That's that's gonna be a nice gift. Is Aww. it a Christmas gift? No, it was for my birthday. He just Aww. delayed birthday gift. Delayed birthday gift. Well, you'll still be alive. Oh, God willing. Oh, I, I really I, hope so. I, I meant your character. I'm she sorry, meant Zolas. <laughs> How morbid. Why did you really think I meant you? She meant Zolas. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, if this pacemaker keeps going, yeah, by Jove, oh. I'll be kicking, but. <laughs> we'll see. Oh. This is a great segue, by the way, of still being alive to talk about aging. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's not die too soon. Aging. <laughs> well, I think it's because we're kind of interested in talking about time in general and how time is kind of 
squarely. Um, also, uh, Tony and Rachel and I just saw <laughs> Doctor Strange, which is very much time themed. Ooh, how was it? I liked it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Rachel, you had a funny description. <laughs> it's like a bad drug trip. I don't, there's lots of colors and things. <laughs> there were points where I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but it's really fascinating to watch. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like mesmerizing. Someone really liked kaleidoscopes. Oh my gosh, it makes me want to go get a kaleidoscope and then not at the same <laughs> time. But I really enjoyed it. I thought I had a good cast. I thought the story was a little predictable. But mm-hmm. it's a superhero movie, so you don't really expect, like, plot twist! Somebody's not evil. What? Someone's always going to be evil as a plot twist. It's inevitable. There has to be somebody evil as a plot twist. Or it's just not a plot but, twist. <laughs> yeah, but manipulating time was, was definitely one of the central mechanics of the movie. I don't think that's a spoiler because uh, well, because of his artifact, right, Tony? Yeah. I mean, in the, the movie, they, they it, it winds up being an infinity stone. Everybody knew that, right? It's not originally supposed to be in the comics. I didn't know that. <laughs> I think it was pretty obvious. I'll put a little warning in the show notes. You probably should. I'm not saying more than that. <laughs> but fantastic visuals, though, is what, I, is what I'm getting from this. Oh, yeah. I thought the special effects were really cool to watch. It was really trippy. It was. It was like Inception levels trippy. It was, it, but it was like way beyond Inception. Yeah. It's like they took that one scene from Inception with the buildings and then cracked it up to 12. <laughs> And then did that for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? Yeah. But anyway, so that kind of brought the whole theme of time and how time works as a mechanic. And I kind of want to talk about how that works in 5th edition D&D. Uh, and that kind of took us first to aging because, Josh, you have a specific aging-related backstory for your one of your characters. I do, I do. So Knowledge is a tiefling who is also a sorcerer with wild magic. One of the things I, I decided to put in there... At the moment, I can't quite remember why I did it. I think it was just because it was... Because you liked it. I think it was because it was nifty. It really it really <laughs> was. There's a whole table of random effects that as a sorcerer, if you cast a level one spell or higher, that you can... There is a... What's the percent chance, Tony? You roll a nat one on a d20. <laughs> okay, so, so a 5% chance every single time you cast a spell that is not a cantrip to end up with this random effect. It's called the Wild Magic Surge. Some of these effects are great. Some of them are terrible. I want to say most of them are just sort of... Weird. Weird. Yeah, just very strange. One of the effects I, I drew out of it, I, I had to list a couple of them in my backstory, sort of as, as, as a reference as to why my character would go off adventuring like he did. One of those effects was the aging, because that was, that was interesting and very noteworthy and not quite damaging, and it also made it to where I could be like a... A 17-year-old mentally, but have aged to, what was it, 26 years old as a as a character, to be roughly the same age as the rest of the party. So it's it's actually funny, though, that you have that, because uh, Karen has it in my campaign for her sorceress. The wild magic? Yeah, and because she wanted her, her characters all about chaos, like her character just thrives on chaos... So what we actually did is, because I'm running a short campaign, only levels 1 to 5, as she's leveling, we're dropping the dice. So that she's level 5 now, so she rolls a 1d4, and on a 1, her wild magic goes off. However, we have yet to see it go off. Wow. It went off once in a one-shot, and she got some flumps. That's it. That's the only thing that's happened the entire... I I know, it was so cute. We were like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, otherwise, we have not seen it go off, and it's like... So depressing every time because she's like, all right, I'm going to cast another 
blah, 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 chromatic orb or whatever. Nothing happens. And usually her spells also don't hit. So it's it's very depressing all around. It's actually gone off quite a few times in my campaign with, with knowledge. Tony does it a little differently. He pre-rolls it so he knows like how what the countdown is. Until it's gonna go off again. Yeah, I wind up. Um, I I rolled the the twenties ahead of time, and I essentially just count how many times I rolled it until I hit a one. Mm. Um, and that's when the next one goes off, and then we find out what effect happens. Uh, one time you turn blue. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. one of the more innocuous effects. No, you were actually pretty bummed about it, right? No, I think I was bummed because the other char- like the other character who could heal me wasn't doing yes. it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they just yeah, didn't the, want to. The cleric's yeah. like, ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah. You're blue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to prepare a remove curse today. <laughs> so mad. But another reason we mentioned the wild magic is actually um, in my campaign, party actually wound up in an area that was so heavily infused with old magic, it caused chaotic effects. So every spell caused an effect on the wild magic table. Oh, um, and Bethany's character actually wound up getting the aging effect. Which was funny because I'm a ranger, so I cast like two spells a day. <laughs> <laughs> if even it was like oh something's gonna happen i was like oh boy something's gonna happen he's like you age was it 10 years six years six years i'm like great i'm an elf <laughs> <laughs> i'm 26 now instead of 20 i'm still a baby elf yeah what is that a drop in the bucket for elves that's like six months <laughs> could you even tell well that was the thing like basically my character could tell because she was physically changed but no one else could tell and then we also had the question of whether or not my hair grew longer yeah i kind of wanted to i just remembered that too is is the question was is because you age very quickly does all of your metabolism speed up and your hair grow and your fingernails grow and everything you just kind of like into into this unsightly creature or (laughs) (laughs) more unsightly than normal anyways can you picture six months worth or or 10 years worth of toenail clippings like that's a lot of toenail all growing out at once you know so that's please please do not google that (laughs) no 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 that would be the stuff of nightmares even more than the hairless bear not the bear No, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna not do that this time. Not, not that time. I'll leave that to the viewer's imagination. Uh, but anyway, Tony, you ultimately decided that that was not the case. No, just that I wound up deciding that Ara just became that age. That it wasn't like her body was rapidly aging. It just, it just happened. And I think you base that on how it's worded, uh, which is your age changes by a number of years equal to the roll. If the roll is odd, you get younger. Minimum one year old. <laughs> if the roll is even, you get older. So you cannot cease to exist from this, but you can turn into a baby. <laughs> you can also turn into a really old man. But the odds, of course, of, of getting that particular effect over and over are incredibly low. Yeah, unless we'd stayed in that area and kept casting spells, and then all kinds of crazy stuff would have happened. Right, right, but the odds of getting the like particular aging spell is only 2% chance. So, while interesting, eh, very unlikely, unfortunately, because that would be a really, uh, well... Uh, there's other ways you could do that as a DM to kind of age the players and stuff, but yeah, just introduce them to a sphinx. Yeah, well, I haven't. We haven't met sphinxes. <laughs> sphinxes. Sphinx eye. Sphinxim. Sphinxim. Sphinxes. I believe it is sphinxes. Actually, <laughs> in the monster manual, they do have it. S p h i n x e s. Oh, okay. Anyway, sphinxes. So let's talk about sphinxes. <laughs> let's talk about them. No, I just find that their lair actions are actually um are all about manipulating time. All right, so first things first, let's briefly go over what lair actions are, just so everyone's clear. 
any very powerful creature that would actually create a, a lair, a place that it would just reside, tends to be able to manipulate its surroundings, which allow it to actually utilize its lair to its advantage. So a lair action, basically a creature is able to harness the ambient magic in its lair, allowing them to essentially extra actions at the end of another individual at, at a specific point on the initiative roll. So the lair itself has an initiative. Essentially, the lair has an initiative of 20. Mm-hmm. Ooh. It loses all uh, ties. So anyone else that has a 20, it would go after everyone else that happened to roll a 20. Because, you know, people roll 20s all the time. Yeah. On, a, on initiative. <laughs> I'd be so lucky. But yeah, uh, a lair actually has an initiative count of 20. Okay. And so the aging thing. Well, it's got four different effects that actually manipulate uh, time within its lair. Uh, the first one is that the flow of time is altered such that every creature in the lair must re-roll initiative and the Sphinx can choose not to re-roll. So essentially it can cho- it change everyone's uh, point to action. Wow. It's more like time fudging than anything else. But that essentially is manipulating each individual person within the lair's flow of time. It's really two of the effects that I thought were particularly interesting where it really specifically talks about the effects and flow of time for aging and uh, time time travel, basically. Yeah, I think you're talking about the, the second effect, mm-hmm. which the effects of time are altered such that every creature in the lair must succeed on a con saving throw or become 1d20 years older or younger based off the Sphinx's choice. But no younger than one year. Can't get younger than a baby. So you can become a baby. But in this case, a greater restoration spell can fix you. Yes. Unlike the uh, wild magic aging where you are that's just your new age. <laughs> you just become that age. <laughs> yep. You just are. Yeah. So I think a sphinx can only do this once per encounter. Is that correct, Tony? So I believe the way lair actions work is usually you have to utilize each lair action before you can start using them again. Um, and a sphinx has four. So essentially, if if combat goes more than four rounds, it could use one of these again. So it could age you up forty years if it if it rolled two twenties. Two twenties. So it could take you from a thirty year old character to a seventy year old character, which would be pretty tough on you if you're like a half orc. Or it could bring you down to one year old. But not beyond that. <laughs> but it's got to burn through all the others first. Right. Well, it can use that one first and then burn through the other three that it has before using it again. Okay, okay. But then there's the next ability I thought was interesting, where it says the flow of time within the lair is altered such that everything within moves up to 10 years forward or backwards. Um, only the Sphinx is immediately aware of the time change, and a wish can return the caster and up to seven creatures designated by the caster to their normal time. So that basically, from my understanding, travels you forward or backwards in time. Jeez. So does that mean you've you've teleported to the future, or you've aged 10 years? Or the past. Basically, the lair is moving through time. Mm-hmm. So which means everything in the lair is moving through time. They are not being aged. Oh, that's bad. Is that a, basically like a like a lair TARDIS, Rachel? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> you're, you're teleporting yourself through some time there. <laughs> that is devastating depending on the can any, any campaign that's terrible or really exciting depending i mean we have only gone like how many how many weeks in our game it's been uh in my game i think it's been about two months since the very beginning. so there we could like jump forward and see like what's happening now <laughs> yeah basically see if like the the princes of elemental evil are wreaking havoc over the whole earth <laughs> Like yeah, let's jump ten years and see what happens. Okay. We would jump forward to to a an existence, a plane of existence that has no red larch because it's been wiped off the map because we've just been gone for ten years. 
Potentially, if Elemental Evil is successful. And there's part of this, you don't even know until you leave the lair. Yeah. You're unaware of the change. But a wish can bring it back. A wish spell. <sighs> wish can do everything. <laughs> no, but it can return uh, the caster of the spell, so you have to take them with you. So if you went and found a friendly wizard who can cast wish, you have to bring them to your time, correct? You'd have to bring them back to your time period. <laughs> so essentially, because again, time travel is very, very weird. <laughs> and rare. You would have to, and rare, you would have to, I think the easiest way to do it would be to level all the way up to level 20 or 18 whenever you get wish and then wish yourselves back to the time where you left off. Because obviously at that point, no time, no time would have changed for you once you've gone back. So does your age change though? Yeah, you'd have to do an entire, essentially just level up all the way to 18 in this new time. But however, if you travel backwards in time, my understanding is you can change things. Ooh. You can change the past. You could meet yourself. Because it just returns you. Oh. It doesn't replace you. Right. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I... I feel like you guys are looking for an excuse to not fight elemental evil and to just gallivant around. Just wanna, like, <laughs> chaos. What? Carousing? Yes. Time carousing. Oh, time carousing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We could carouse with ourselves. Yes. Oh, that sounds amazing. Two cheese busts. Go back far enough and uh, you can carouse with Renwick. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's basically what you guys did in my uh, my little mini campaign I did. Uh, um, which, uh, Tony, do you want to explain it or you want me to explain it? Essentially, we were characters that were investigating a, a portal. Mm-hmm. Portal, yeah. And wound mm-hmm. up finding a ring that accidentally transported us back a few hundred years. It was like 500 years. <laughs> Um, and we met Renwick. Renwick Caradoon. Yes, who in this time period was a uh, a wizard, a human wizard, um, ha- who had not become a lich yet. Because he is a lich. For those who don't know or remember, I think we mentioned it before, Renwick is the lich you meet in Princess of the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who the party loves. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> we would like to go crossing with him at some point. He gave us a powerful magical uh, item. Because he loves us. And Cloud almost Cloud killed one of your one of your players. We told him not to go. Well, yeah. It was deserved. But <laughs> you guys were not very sympathetic. No, no we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, don't go talk to him, don't he he's a lich, don't Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, and Redwick's like, if you do not leave right now, I will fill this hallway with gas. <laughs> okay, sure thing. <laughs> He's like, but but really, like, can you, like, do something for me? Cloud kill. Yep. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and time stop. Because then he just disappeared because he just used his time stop to cast the spell and then, like, shut the door and lock it. A great use of a ninth level spell. Such a bamp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're a lich, you can kind of do whatever you want. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to stop you. But... Anyway, so uh, time travel, it, really, I think this, from the Sphinx, is the, one of the only rules-as-written ways to time travel. To specifically go into the future more than just, like, a few moments or into the past for more than a moment. So does that lead us into time stop, Tony? I mean, we can talk about time stop. We've actually experienced it twice in your game. Time stop seems interesting, uh, but it doesn't really act on anything except for the caster. Caster's the only one that's unaffected by time being stopped. You want to read the spell, Rachel? So time spot is a ninth level spell, so it's, it's, it's pretty freaking high up there. 
uh, casting time. Kind of a big kind deal. Kind of a big deal. You gotta be kind of an awesome person. <laughs> uh, you know, it takes a, it's one action. Um, it only has verbal components, um, but it is yeah. instantaneous. And you cast down yourself. So you briefly stop the flow of time for everyone but yourself. No time passes for other creatures while you take 1d4 plus 1 turns in a row, during which you can use actions and move as normal. This spell ends if one of the actions you use during this period or any effects that you create during this period affects a creature other than you or an object being worn or carried by someone other than you. In addition, the spell ends if you move to a place more than 1,000 feet from the location where you cast it. So you are limited to how far you can move and kind of what you can do. But if you're in trouble, you time stop and then you Book can it out. just get out of there. But then it's kind of like using, I mean, it's not much better than using haste if, if that's the, the sense in which you use it, right? But it doesn't have any negative effects. The better thing to do would be to pull all the, the adventurer's pants down while you have them time stopped. Well, you can only do one. Yeah, because as soon as you do it, it's... As soon as you uh, interact <laughs> with... The adventure yeah, funny that... enough, Josh, it's almost like they thought of that because it says affects a creature or an object being worn or carried by someone <laughs> other than you. <laughs> I feel like they anticipated pantsing. All, all of the <laughs> things that I want in life are just spoiled <laughs> by people who write rules that are, they're just, uh, that they word it just right. It's just not the loophole you're looking for. Mm, I'm so mad. So I'm, I'm trying to think what can, you can use actions and move as normal, but... That's about all you can do. Well, a nasty thing you could do with Time Stop, if you're that powerful, you also have Delayed Blast Fireball. Oh. Ooh. You you actually wouldn't even need Delayed Blast Fireball. You could just cast three or four Fireballs, depending on what kind of, you know, what you roll in the D4, and then they would all just instantaneously go off for... No, as soon as you cast a spell that will affect something... Oh. Mm-hmm. That actually will affect um, the spell ends. Oh, uh, okay. I keep thinking, I'm sorry, I keep thinking of different versions of, older versions of Time Stop where you can do more things. No, but Time Stop, see, the thing is, when you cast Delayed Blast Fireball, it is not affecting anybody until you let it explode. So, as I recall, Chris did disagree that I was able to use Cloud Kill and then take the action of closing the door. But uh, Cloud Hill doesn't actually affect you until you enter the area or start your turn there. Mm. So you could actually cast that, and it doesn't really affect anybody until they start their turn. Yeah. This is true. And since closing a door can be done as part of your movement, mm-hmm. essentially he casts Time Stop, casts the spell, and closed the door, and then once it would have become Chris's turn, then he took the damage. Yep. This is true. I remember Chris was indignant, but he had been warned. To be fair, uh, I gotta really, I need to differentiate between players and characters. <laughs> <laughs> his character was warned, his character did not heed the advice. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris was indignant. And <laughs> Chris was indignant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember older versions of Time Stop being a little bit more fun than that. That just seems like, I don't know, way to gimp it. I think they're trying to trying to wheel it in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well. No pantsings. <laughs> no pantsings. <laughs> you, no, you could, you could you pants. You could, but then what? everything starts back up. Yeah. But it's but unfortunately, then you'd be in this scenario where they essentially teleport from the perspective of the person being pants and the rest of the party. The pantser would be teleported to a position where they are holding trousers <laughs> that are around your ankles, and that's where things would you just look down like, "What are you doing? How did you what the- teleport to my pants down?" <laughs> And then you're like, you could cast ninth level spells and this is what you do with your time? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's what you waste wish on. <laughs> Pantsing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe you could say, I pants them all. And that's basically, I did pants someone with wish. 
as a DM. You did. Have we mentioned that already? I don't think we have. Okay, so the scenario was that the party was in Yartar, which is a little small town known for its thieves' guild. Nice place. Uh, and they were having a meeting with the leader of the town, who was called the Water Baron. Don't ask me why. And she had uh, granted them an audience, and uh, they weren't really clear on why they were there, <laughs> as they realized once they got there. We knew, sort of. We yeah. Acquire information. Yeah, about what was going on in the valley and uh, what was going on with Elemental Evil. So when they went in to meet her, they found out that she had a right hand, who was a powerful wizard. This is something I added, by the way. This is not in the book. The Water Baron is there, but I added the wizard. Basically, throughout their conversation with the Water Baron, she revealed that she had been in contact with uh, someone who had betrayed the rogue in his past. And he decided the, be- the best, yeah, it was the, <gasps> she's alive and she betrayed us, yes. sort of thing. But he decided the best way to respond to this was to, in this basically throne room surrounded by guards, draw his weapons and threaten the Water Baron. <laughs> Not a good idea in hindsight or foresight, to be honest. Any sight. Any sight. I will be as DM. I was like, why do you do this to me? Yeah. Because <laughs> that could have very easily been, and the guards attack you, all of them, in this very large place. The ones in the room, the ones outside the door, the ones down the hallway, all like 50 of them. Hey, we tried to tell them no, so it wouldn't have been us. Yeah, no, no. But instead, the, the, the wizard, who was uh, rather whimsical and generally unhelpful, yeah. but, but whimsical, decided that the best thing to do was to use Wish and just wish all of his clothes and weapons away. So after drawing his weapons, threatening the Water Baron, he suddenly found himself completely naked and without weapons. <laughs> It was awesome. He was very confused and indignant and marched out. And then they found that all of his gear was in their own bag of holding. That's the classy part. (laughs) Way to really tie it all together. Yeah, yeah, really add insult to injury. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even like she robbed him. She just shamed him. Yeah. (laughs) She really did just shame him. Yeah. It was bad. Just, Just for the lulls, really. Like, there was nothing else in it for her. Needless to say, we never went back. No. <laughs> that's so true. I mean, that's a very powerful caster that we could have had as a potential ally, but Shh, still. No. It has been brought up again that if you did need a high-level wizard, you do know one. Do but not you guys trust. decided you would rather go back to Renwick the Lich. Yeah. <laughs> or to the Shadow Dragon. Or to the Shadow Dragon, then go to the whimsical wizard. I trust them both way more. <laughs> she was an Asmar, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a really weird point, too, that she was Asmar. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of, uh, as a comparison, Star Trek, the Q. Uh, the Q Continuum. While they are all powerful, you really shouldn't ask them for help. Go to anyone else first. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> because they have nothing better to do with their time than, me- than to mess with you? They're bored demigods. Like, don't <laughs> screw with that. No. What do you think it's like being a level... Well, I don't want to tell you what level, but a high level wizard. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I know minimum level that wizard has to be. Uh-huh. Uh, high level wizard. Uh, at least 18. We're not, we're not going back to talk to her. No, she'll just... Wish our clothes off again. Hey, she's the smartest person you've ever met. <laughs> That's, That's not saying yeah. much considering <laughs> our intelligence. Have we mentioned this yet about the party's intelligence? No, I don't think we have. No, we've only mentioned Uthal was average. The fighter is average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I believe on the balance, the party has negative intelligence. Is that correct? 
Yes, that is. Oh, wait. (laughs) No, yes, that's correct. (laughs) Briefly, they had an NPC with them who brought it up to like a flat 10. And then we got the uh, shield guardian. Yeah. That brought it back down. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, The shield guardian actually has an intelligence. But not much lower than yours. Nope, it ain't great. Um, which leads to really fun uh, circumstances. You guys are like, we need to investigate this. Huh. No <laughs> one rolled above a six. <laughs> huh. Huh. Well, I guess that mystery's got to go unsolved. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Just more proof that a bunch of stupid people can actually make a lot of progress if given yeah. the opportunity. <laughs> We've eliminated two of the, the elemental cults. Yeah, on the balance, you guys are uh, strong, hardy, and charismatic. We are very charismatic. <laughs> you are collectively super charismatic, so that kind of carries you through a lot of those uh, sticky situations where you might have to know stuff. Yeah. Well, and then we just beat up whatever else. <laughs> and then you just smash it to bits. Uh, this is kind of off topic, but Rachel, you were mentioning that you have to adjust the CRs because you have a party that's composed a little differently. Uh, yes. Much differently. So I have five <laughs> players with five characters, but I tweak the CRs to account for mostly for like four characters because one of the characters is a pacifist. So her output for damage in battle is um, nothing, in fact. Nothing. <laughs> uh, so she's a bard. She's, no, she's actually a cleric. Uh, she <laughs> is <sorry>. a knowledge <laughs> cleric. Um, so she's I couldn't help the myself. knowledge schools. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she she doesn't tend to hit things. She um, smacks people on the butt and gives them little bits of guidance. <laughs> That's kind of it. She she slathers oils on people when they're hurt because I give her a bunch of like the ointments and stuff. But um, yeah. So what you're saying is she's the mom. She is. Oh, she is such a mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, there, honey. That should help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's some diasporian. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Don't pick at it and uh, leave the bandage on for 24 hours. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so in my game, as basically has been indicated, uh, you guys are a bunch of murder tanks. Like, <laughs> I have to adjust the CRs, and I have since the beginning. I'm like, oh, here's a CR for, you know, a party of four. I'll up it a little bit because there's five of you, and you guys just, like, decimate. <laughs> Haven't we been fighting, like, CR 13 and 17 now, and we're a party of level nine characters? Yes. Yeah, and I mean, that that's a good challenge. It's not like it's easy at that point. But if I gave you guys a CR that matches your level, you'd be like, really? What is this? This is it? This is like a, it's like a goblin. I mean, please. <laughs> As Uthal does like a hundred points of damage in a turn. I don't, I don't actually resent you for that, Tony. It's very impressive. Yay, action surge. <laughs> Stupid but fighter. It does <laughs> You guys are pretty murder-tastic. <laughs> yeah, we're just good at killing things. Yeah, you are. I, I love it whenever Tony goes, because I don't know, you usually go first, I feel like. Maybe I'm just crazy, but you... Okay, so I don't know why, but other than Arcana checks, I also roll really well on initiative. Okay, hold on, let's look at the decks of the rest of the party. <laughs> oh, well, let me just, Not... let, let me get this out of here real quick, because it feels like you go first, but even if you don't... You've got eight attacks per round, I think. It feels like your turn takes so long. And four attacks? We're grateful for all the damage, but it's like, oh, it's Uthal's turn. Cool. I'm going to use the bathroom. I'll be back in five. And then I go, are are you done? (laughs) After he's like, and then I, oh, and that's 30 points. Oh, oh, and that's, yeah. To be fair, I also am that character in Tony's game, so I get it. 
It feels really good when you are that character, but I can understand the resentment. Just a little bit. There's no resentment. No. No resentment. No resentment. I just time my breaks with Uthal's turn. Yeah. That's yeah, all I'm yeah. So, Josh, your cleric has negative decks, right? Mm-hmm. I think a negative one. So that tends to damage yours. And Rachel always rolls garbage. Yep. I love being at the bottom. Like, every time you roll, like, a two. <laughs> Mind you, you have a, a flat decks, right? Yeah, I have a zero. No mods. <laughs> but I remember one time you rolled like an 18. You're like, I'm going to go first. Everybody rolled higher. And everybody rolled really well. <laughs> and I was like, well. I think you even had advantage for that. I don't remember. No, maybe not. No, nah, I don't think so. But I just remember I rolled really well and everybody rolled better. <laughs> so I still went last. <laughs> or at least really low down. <laughs> yeah, I think you would have flipped the table <laughs> if, if we didn't have, you know, figures on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am so sorry. I just realized how far off topic we've gotten. Oh, yeah, way off topic. That's quite all right. It's really enjoyable, so who cares? <laughs> like, it's really enjoyable for us. For us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it's enjoyable for listeners. This episode is brought to you by Amazon. Today, I wanted to recommend a staple accessory for D&D, and that is the battle mat. Now, some people like to use the great big pieces of grid paper, and, and that works fine enough, depending on the situation. But they're liable to rip and fall apart, and you've got to keep buying more if you've gone through all the pages. Consider instead a high-quality battle mat made from expanded vinyl by Chessex. They're double-sided with hex and square grids, so whether you're using it for D&D or tabletop in general, you'll still find a purpose for it. They come with this really nice parchment pattern on them, and they just look really good on the table and feel really good in the hand. They can be rolled up for on the go, and will stand up for all the abuse gamers can throw at it. The best part, of course, is its reusability. Simply draw on the map with wet erase markers and your designs will stay put until wiped away with water and paper towels. So you can prepare maps in advance and know your designs will be right for game day. I really like having the multicolored markers as well. It helps distinguish the different objects on the map and just looks really nice. Now I know most long-term gamers will surely have something like this already, but consider it as a gift for the aspiring DM or someone who's really just getting into tabletop. I also know friends who own several of varying sizes so they can prep maps in advance and still have a blank one for the unexpected. Check it out at rulesiswritten.club slash battlemat, that's B-A-T-T-L-E-M-A-T, or click the link in the show notes to help support the show. And thanks again for Amazon for their sponsorship and for Chessex for creating a wonderful product. Whatever works. Uh, wh- wh- what's the next thing then? Let's, let's uh, well, pull up we're the We're going to talk about um, kind of haste and slow, I think, and how that affects time, because slow, which has been cast on Uthal before, Tony's character. And Psy. And Psy. hated that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was um, from the Stone Golems, because it's one of their abilities. So it actually allows you, uh, as the caster, to alter time around up to six characters of your choice in a 40-foot cube. If they don't succeed on the Wisdom saving throw, their speed is halved, they take minus two to AC, and their deck saving throws, and they can't use reactions. And you can use either an action or a bonus action, but not both. And then there's a few other effects. But it does say that it actually alters time which is uh, something I actually had noticed the first time I read the spell. I figured it more being almost like a paralysis, but instead it, it seems to be the time for that creature is experienced at a different rate. So you actually alter the time around up to six creatures. Mm-hmm. It's a 40-foot cube, so within this area the, the creatures are slowed. You know, you know what is peculiar, though, is while slow does apply to six creatures and it does specifically mention time, haste does not mention time. It doesn't. So Tony had a theory about how haste works. Do you want to read the spell and share your theory? So haste, uh, you choose a willing creature that you can see within range, and until the spell ends, the target's speed is doubled, 
and it gains a plus two to AC. It has advantage on deck saving throws, and it gains an additional action on each of its turns. The action can be used only to take the attack, one weapon attack only, dash, disengage, hide, or use an object action. When the spell ends, the target can't move or take actions until its next turn as a wave of uh, lethargy sweeps over it. So my theory is that um, while slow actually manipulates time around the individuals, haste seems to speed up your metabolic rate, just like the flash. Huh. Because actually the whole idea that essentially you're using a spell to enhance your metabolic rate, which at the end of which you just can become exhausted as you've essentially pulled all this energy that you don't have. So you say you get low blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, basically. Because <laughs> you're unable to move and you can't take actions. Essentially, you, you lose your turn after the spell ends. That's really interesting. I like that explanation. That, that totally makes sense. Yeah. But it's funny because when we had talked about it originally, we were thinking of them as opposing spells. But if you look at it this way, they actually work in completely different ways. Yeah. Although now I'm curious what would happen if you cast slow and haste on somebody. Is this like taking uppers and downers? <laughs> Essentially, it winds up like evening out, I think. Well, slow is against an unwilling target and haste is against a willing target. So what if you cast haste on yourself while slow is being cast on you? All right. So let's look at the effects. A target's affected speed is halved. Haste allows you to double a target speed. So that evens out. I think these all even out. In slow, do you take a negative two to AC and dexterity saving throws? So you would actually still keep the negative two to your dexterity saving throw, but you would gain advantage on dexterity saving throw. Yeah, because they're not exactly opposed. Yeah, it's not a one-to-one. Um, your AC would flatten out. though. Um, you would still lose your reaction because you don't gain a reaction from haste, but you lose your reaction from slow. So you still lose your reaction. However, on its turn for slowed, you can use either an action or a bonus action, but not both. You would actually still lose either an action or a bonus an action, action or a bonus action, but haste gives you an additional action. So you can essentially take two actions or an action and a bonus action. But you wouldn't get an action, an action, and a bonus action as you would traditionally. So it doesn't exactly cancel out. It almost does, but not quite. Um, if you are a caster, however, you are really hurting for this particular one. <laughs> Because for slow, if a t- creature attempts to cast a spell with a casting time of one action, you roll a d20. And yep. on 11 or higher, the spell doesn't take effect until the creature's next turn. And it uses up its action on that turn to complete the spell. Wow. That is pretty devastating. Yeah. So that's pretty bad. So basically, Uthal was the best, Uthal and Cy were the best characters for these to happen to. Because they have, uh, multiple attacks per their action. So mm. we can still deal two attacks. Or Aura or Ash, who also has multiple attacks. Yes. It wouldn't have been as devastating. Yeah. As long as I didn't need to do any spell. Yeah, your your bonus action is basically just to enhance your attacks for mm-hmm. the most part, right? Yeah. Unless it's Misty Step. That's the only one that... Yeah, unless, unless it's get out of there. <laughs> my ocean button. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, like the Sanctuary spell. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I always did think of those as opposing spells, but they're clearly not. They work differently. They they really do. They're opposing ish. <laughs> yeah, they just they do. They 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 operate differently. That's very curious. So, do we want to go back to the issue of aging because we sort of diverted a little bit to talk about time stop? Because I I asked Tony basically like how would you create an immortal character? <laughs> Druids. Uh, actually, something none of us have played in five e. I believe. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think anybody's rolled up a druid. I, I did one for like a little test one. 
Yeah, they're they're fun, but they're kind of different to play. You have to think about it differently than any of the the standard, you know, fighter wizard. Classes. You you've got to be all those animals, don't you? So you kind of have to have <laughs> yeah. all the different character sheets for all the different transformations, which is not easy to do. Yeah. There's some yeah, there's some multitasking to it, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if you go um, Circle of the Moon, I think it is, where you get a lot more animals you could become. Not to say it's impossible, but I remember, well, obviously for a new player, this would be very challenging. I remember a new player once playing a druid, and it was, it was, it was tough. Yeah, there are classes I don't recommend for new players. <laughs> well, here's the yeah. biggest issue with the druid is, one, you have to have all your regular druid stats, then any potential animal you could transform into... And druids have access to all of their spells, so you have to be able to prepare the spells that you want each day. So it's a lot to do, especially if you're not used to playing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a bad pick. But on the upside for your character, you could live almost forever, because at 18th level, druids get a an ability called Timeless Body, where it says primal magic that you wield causes you to age more slowly. For every 10 years that pass, your body ages only one year. So I uh, I pulled up from the player's handbook, the rough age limits for each race. Um, surprisingly, elves live the longest. What? Yeah, it just says more than 700 years, which is kind of like saying more than a billion years. Like, it doesn't really, like, cap it. So I'm assuming we'll, we'll say 700 years. So as an elf druid, you could expect to live, if you don't aren't killed in, you know, combat or something like that, 7,000 years. <laughs> Well, and, and to improve that number, actually, because elves don't sleep, they only meditate for two hours a night. Four. Four. Four, four hours a night. So they get an extra four hours per day to do things. Low-key things. They still have to rest. Yeah. We're but right, they can, but... They, they can read, they can, you know, practice magic, they can whittle, you know, all the important things. Yeah, but all those extra <laughs> things, I mean, can you imagine what an extra four hours a day would give you to, like, learn all these different things, read all these different books? It'd be the best wizard. Yeah, it's just an extra four hours a day, every day, for the next 5,000 years. We would be so productive as elves. No wonder elves are, like, so snobby, right? <laughs> They've already learned everything. That explains it, Yeah. Uh, whereas at the other end, you have Arakakra, who typically don't live more than 30 years. Aww. Oh, birds. Well, they reach adulthood at like five, I think. <laughs> but they're so cute. Yeah. Poor babies. Yeah, they make up for it with style. <laughs> Rachel, will you give a brief description of your Arakakra character you played for the one-off session? Uh, <laughs> my special Arakakra named... <laughs> That, that is literally their name, Whistle oh, Click Click. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot about uh, so, Whistle Click Click. Yeah, Whistle Click Click. <laughs> um, I decided I wanted to do Wild Magic Sorcerer, and I also wanted to roll all my stats, which works oh, horribly, gosh, that's horribly right. against me. Yeah, this was right around the same time Joshua was saying, it's always better to roll your stats. Odds are in your no. favor. <laughs> Statistically, it's better. But then you get the one times like what Rachel got. Yeah, I don't think I had anything higher than like a 13. Yeah, you had a strength of like six. Yeah, my I, I had plenty of negatives. And I just went with it because it was a one shot. And I figured, you know what? I'm a freaking bird person. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you were a bird person with brittle bone disease. And birds already have hollow bones. You were so dead. But I didn't die. In fact, I don't think I took she any damage die. because I was darting in and out of combat. I would fly down, cast my spell, and then fly back up out of range. 
Yeah. And yeah, that works. Yeah, it was it was very effective. Yeah. So I did find my sheet. Let me see. My highest score. I had a 16 for my charisma. There you go. You were a super charismatic bird person. <laughs> but everything else was uh let's see. 8, 13, 12, 9, 12. Of course you were super charismatic. You look super gimpy. Everyone had to love you. <laughs> I Okay, I wore a freaking American flag cape. Because <laughs> America. America. What, I forget the details of this one-off, clearly, because I don't remember that part. <laughs> that was just my picture. Uh, so the one-off was Christmas-themed. It was a Christmas theme. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It was amazing. <laughs> I had a great time. It was fun. I'm sorry, not the Grinch, the, the Grinch. Grinch. The Grinch. How oh, the Grinch yeah. stole it the Christmas. Grinch. It was the Grinch. Yeah, no copyright. Yeah, no copyright. No copyright intended. No copyright intended. So anyways, that's off topic, but that, that's what happens when you can play just whatever happens with your character building. Yeah, when you just yeah. go with the whatever you roll. Yeah, that works yeah. out. So I guess if you were a druid uh, Arakakra, you'd be like the most crazy old Arakakra ever at... 300? 300, which would be like, you died young for a gnome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you could be the elder in your village. Yeah. The ages are actually pretty much across the board. It's kind of funny um, how much range there is between the Arakakra at 30 years and then the elves at more than 700. Mm-hmm. And then there's some things that are different, like Goliaths, which is what Tony's character Uthal is. They typically live around the same amount as humans from the point of view of how far they can age, but culturally they tend to die much younger. Well, that's because they're always fighting things and kind of being dumb and then eventually just get killed by something. Poor guys. Yeah, because they're like Wookiees or... Uh, you die in battle. Yeah, or... Uh, oh, gosh. Klingons. Star- Star- Klingons. Yes, they're the Klingons. Yeah, I was oh, struggling so. for it, too. I'm like, yeah. let me not talk until I can find it. I was like, Tony, bail me out. I don't know Star <laughs> Trek very well. <laughs> abort, abort mission. <laughs> so anyway, so if you're trying to live forever, or at least a really crazy long time, your best bet is to be a, a druid, druid elf. But uh, there's also that paladin ability that... Rachel pointed out. Yeah, um, it's the Oath of the Ancients. Un- <laughs> you, you put in the picture of Whistle Click Click. <laughs> Josh will share that in the show notes. Oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Where is it? At the very bottom of the Look show notes. Look at the notes. notes. <laughs> that needs to go in the show notes. That was Whistle Click Click. <laughs> so, um, everybody loved Whistle Click Click who tried to peck at shiny items. <laughs> Really had no brains going on upstairs. Do you have this object? No, I wish I did. That would be amazing. Yeah, now you know what to get Rachel for Christmas, Josh. <laughs> I I just might. Here is whistle click click. And I believe that that's is a glorious. javelin that's holding no. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> be afraid. Yeah, a rock across like they javelins. Do. Yeah. Um Yeah, they n- none in town. Yeah. Uh so uh for paladins, if you go oath of the ancients, at level fifteen you gain undying sentinel. The main thing is when you're reduced to zero hit points, uh you are not killed outright, you choose to drop to one hit point instead, but you can only use it once per long rest. The other thing though is that additionally you suffer none of the drawbacks of old age and you can't be aged magically. So I could not be affected by anybody's Wild magic. Take that, Sphinx. Take that, Sphinx, yeah. Sphinx. Though it could still make you travel in time. Well, that's... It just can't age you. It just can't age me. So, uh, so our understanding from this is you don't suffer the drawbacks of old age, so you're sharp as attack 
and you look and feel great right up until you drop dead. Yeah. <laughs> Seems right. Ooh, that'd be weird. Is that everyone's understanding? Yep. Yeah. That's what I heard. <laughs> Actually, if you want to live forever, just just go to the, uh, not the ethereal plane, but the... Astral. Astral plane. Just go to the astral plane. You'll live forever. <gasps> like Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah. Just oh. do that. Actually, yeah. Actually, one of the races from the, the astral plane, the, the Githyanki, um, they mentioned that they have to come to the material plane in order to have babies so that they can actually get up to adult age before coming back to the astral plane because they don't age in the astral plane. What was the name of that race? Uh, the Githyanki. Is it Githyanki or Githraki or is that something different? Well, you're thinking of the Githrai? Yeah, oh, you're right. <laughs> and yes, I knew both of those off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Because they're kind of cool. <laughs> I'm in awe. But yeah, that, that race is awesome. I'd love to meet them in, in some campaign once. Yeah, I'm, I realize there's this temptation in my campaign to just abandon elemental evil and take you guys on like a scenic tour of weird D&D things. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I think that we should have a campaign like that, but. Not this let's, one. Well, let's finish what no, we started. No, no, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not actually planning that. Uh, that's what one offs are for. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the Githzerai are the, related to the Githyanki. Yeah, they both stem from the same origins. The Gith. That's right. Um, one followed a more uh, warrior focus. The other were monk-like. Yeah, that's... Sorry, that is unrelated, but interesting if you care to look up weird races. That... Well, they're fascinating because they don't age. They just travel through the astral plane. They live on the body of a dead god, don't they? Part of their culture does, at least, yeah. Yeah, in the astral plane. Because that's what you find mm-hmm. in the astral plane is just chunks of all sorts of things. <laughs> And summer homes. <laughs> and summer homes. Well, only if they end up being hit by a by a ether cyclone, which in that case we need insurance. Well, that's the ethereal plane, but that's if yeah. you move your your you know eventually you upgrade to the astral plane for your summer home. Yep. I'd like to say that the the, the plane relocated me of its own will. <laughs> <laughs> so living forever, the other the most obvious way is to reincarnate, which is a spell. <laughs> Yeah, so it says, uh, if you touch a dead humanoid or a piece of a dead humanoid, provided that creature has been dead no longer than 10 days, the spell forms a new adult body for it and then calls the soul to enter that body. If the target soul isn't free or willing to do so, the spell fails. It says the magic fashions a new body for the creature to inhabit, which likely causes the creature's race to change. That explains how the DM rolls on the table to cause that. Um, the reincarnated creature recalls its former life experiences. It retains the capabilities it had, except it changes its original race to the new one and changes its racial traits. So, this begs the question, how old is the new body? Because the spell does not say. It just says it forms a new adult body. So, this could be, it's exactly the same age you were when you died, which would be really mean if you died of old age. <laughs> You're an awful human being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an evil DM, I wouldn't do that. Not after you spend uh, rare oils worth at least a thousand gold. That's a lot. Yeah, but or is it like, you know, middle-aged, or is it youngest adult age? Because it doesn't say. Uh, and it seems like that would be important to determine whether this is a good investment. Yeah. I mean, unless you actually like the character and you just don't want them to be dead, which is always an option. I just want to live. I want to say that's probably up to the DM to choose. Well, unless we specifically went and looked for a body. Oh, wait, because it just creates a body. <laughs> no, it actually does say it fashions a yeah, new body. Yeah, it's not like you're putting yeah. a spirit into Even a if body. you're touching the dead humanoid, it, it fashions a new body. Yeah, so that's like, is it like a new car where you get the latest year? Mm. <laughs> so here's a new body. It's, you know... Got almost no miles on it. This is a 2016 <laughs> body. <laughs> Sweet. 
This conversation got weird. Actually, here's an interesting thought. Since you have to touch a dead humanoid or a piece of a dead humanoid, what if you entered the body of the age that that person died? The new body would be the age of the individual oh, who died? Yeah, as the spell component. Yeah, which is what I was saying, which would be really sad if you died it's of like old age. like if you died of old age, though. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I guess what I'm saying is as if like you wouldn't want to use the body of someone who had died at old age. No, and that would be the question. Like, would you just reanimate a new body that would be the same age as the individual who died, or is it a new body that is a young adult? The body you cast the spell on is, is who you're bringing back. It's not like you can select the body. I'm sorry, I misread that spell. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. really out of it this entire freaking time. I feel like I've just been in- inserting <laughs> comments that are absolutely <laughs> worthless. Like, shut up, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not been good. I've, um... it's okay. I'm sorry, did <sighs> I, did I damage your confidence at the beginning? I don't think so. I think I just keep, I just keep like having a thought, saying it, and then rereading the spell and going, nope, just didn't understand okay. what's going on. I was actually on. confused by the initial wording of this spell because it talks about touching a dead humanoid, but then you talk about a creature returning to a new body. The creature is the dead humanoid. Yes. I thought you were using the dead humanoid as components for the creature, but that's just not right. It's not worded super well. I will say I'm disappointed that not all of the races are on the uh, the table. I would modify it because I think a rocker cross should be included oh, yeah. on the on the. Okay, option. so of course this was initially created before the new races I know. were so, added. So Goliaths aren't on mm. here. Rocker cross aren't on here. Deep gnomes aren't on here. Genasi. No Genasi. Genasi are cool. Genasi are cool. But you could modify it too. Yeah, that's what I would do as DM if this came up. You could actually take off, like, put just elf, you know, being like 22 to 30, and then make it make you roll like on a D8 or something after you roll an elf. For for the specifics, like sub race, yeah, that makes sense. But I would love to see like Rachel, like your character come back as, oh gosh, like a dwarf or something. <laughs> oh, she'd love that. <laughs> after she'd be like, I have so much hair. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, would be glorious. <laughs> Actually, this is this is one of those things that you can roll on for uh, the sorcerer's wild magic. You can actually have reincarnate cast upon you. This is something that yep. could have happened to me. Uh, actually, reincarnate was cast upon you at one point. It did, didn't it? Um, but it, because of the fact that the way it, it's worded, you would not be fully aware of it having been done so. It only takes effect when you die. And you have to die, I think it's within one minute. Small window. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually considering as a character because of uh, the way my backstory is laid out of if I knew Reincarnate had been cast upon me to commit suicide, to to get a new body. Oh my gosh, that is so dark, All right, to explain this, (laughs) because that got really dark. Just a little. Um... You want to explain basically what your, what your character's kind of None of my is? input is accepted tonight. No, no. <laughs> no. Explain, just explain why your character would, would do this. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just explaining everything wrong or phrasing everything <laughs> wrong. Or not read, like, it's rules is written, but I have to read the rules to, to attribute, <laughs> and I'm not doing that part. So in terms of, of the character committing suicide, they're a tiefling who is trying to fight against their evil, more chaotic side. So... As a push towards lawful good. Well, he's actually not chaotic. No, because of his fighting of his chaotic and evil nature, he winds up being true neutral. Mm-hmm. Right. Because right, I'm pushing in the other direction hard enough to be just true neutral. Mm-hmm. So as part of that, and knowing how the, the demon blood of the ancestry <laughs> of tieflings works, that 
I would potentially choose to be a different race if I if I had the ability to do it. It'd be the idea that essentially you would no longer have to be constantly fighting against your your chaotic well, evil nature. It wouldn't be a sure thing though. There would always be a chance you come back as a tiefling, which would be really mean. But only a four percent chance, <laughs> and only yeah, you're right. It would be really, really, really mean. It would only be a four percent chance. Well, you you keep your class at everything. You keep your class, but you'd have to bury your old body, <laughs> or not. You can just set it on fire. Yeah, that's true. That's only if you have a piece of the dead humanoid. Well, if if I'm sorry for in in specific to my character having this happen through wild magic, I would there would still be a corpse. It would create a new corpse out of nothingness. Potentially, if you're disintegrated, though, there is not. That mm, is true. That's a good point. There are edge cases. Yeah, that would be tidiest. But it would be really interesting as a narrative to bury your own body. It would be creepy. And and, and I think knowledge would be someone who would be hmm, not impartial, but I I think you would I think you would he, he could kill himself as as to rationalize it fairly quick you know quick enough and then pull the trigger so to speak. You know my character would try to stop you. This is true. This is true. <laughs> well, there, but but the way that Tony and I think this is very interesting. The way that you're doing the random table is that there you don't necessarily know if the spell is subtle enough. Like reincarnate is such a subtle spell. I had no idea as a as a character or as a player actually that this had been cast upon me. So yeah. I had no option to do it. Basically, I allowed you to essentially make an arcana check if you had the time to do so to try and figure out what this spell was. But due to the limited time frame that it gives you with this spell, you most likely would not have enough time to actually do anything about it. Right, right. Um, and a lot of spells actually in the wild magic table are like that, where I feel like because of the fact that it is wild magic, where when you release this energy, you don't know what's coming out. Unless maybe you've experienced that exact effect before and the feeling would be familiar. I agree. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. If you were getting the same effect and it was something that was very subtle before, you would more likely be better able to recognize it. Or you would know the time when all your was it all your hair falls out. That one you would probably figure out. <laughs> well, like, and when I turned blue, I remember, I remember, I, I think something else had happened to somebody else, so I pointed and laughed at them, and then I just, I saw my own hand. Yeah, Theron turned blue. You ever Theron? That's right. Theron, who is uh my my character's husband, and you're like, ha ha, you're blue, hilarious. <laughs> oh, and of course you were still blue, only to realize. Yes. <laughs> so I didn't notice until I literally looked and noticed that my skin was blue. So I think that's a really creative choice. I think I I, I want to applaud that because I think that was really interesting. Thank you. I preferred it this way because like on the chart, there's a lot of things that it kind of you don't really know. I mean, it, it's it's wild magic. It's it's not something you can control. It just happens. And as the way magic works, essentially, it's a release of energy. You could even cast a spell higher than what you could cast at that level if you're a low enough level. Like I think what there's one that you can drop a third level fireball at your feet, but you could. You guys were could... actually able to fire a fifth level magic missile. Oh, that's right. Multiple yeah. of you did, and I wasn't even that level. And you guys were nowhere near high enough. You actually, yeah. I think you just now. Uh, uh, have fifth level spells yeah so it's definitely very unusual magic and i and i i like the obfuscation of it it'll only occasionally get you murdered yes <laughs> or almost murdered yeah yeah no there's a chance it's just thank thank goodness it's when, very low when you attack friendly npcs by mistake yeah. yeah or drop a fireball at your feet or drop a fireball at your feet <laughs> oh, waiting for that one I, I was most scared of that when i was level one now i could probably survive it well i have fire resistance so i'd probably be fine but at level yeah. one, it was terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry to bring the mood down with the suicide talk. Jeez. Anyway, yeah, that was that was really dark, Josh. 
Did that? Did, did I not tell everybody about that? Is this news? You told me. I'm not in your campaign. <laughs> Toad, yeah, Toady tells me like most of what he happens throughout his day, but not everything. Whoopsies. But yeah, so I didn't. No, I did not know that that you were potentially suicidal. <laughs> potentially suicidal. <laughs> you, your character. That knowledge, the tiefling sorcerer. Unless I die within a couple weeks before. <laughs> before you're yeah, right. No, you'll probably still be alive, Josh. <laughs> I mean, knowledge. <laughs> this is. This is a weird episode. Yeah, just a little. Can it be a weird episode? <laughs> By definition, we're talking we only- about time. That's true. Yeah. That's true. We'll just go back in time and stop me. So that brings up Modify Memory, Tony. (laughs) Ooh, I like Modify Memory. Which isn't a time-based spell, but time does play a factor if you want to kind of explain your scenario you had. Yeah, actually, let me just... uh, It's a long spell. Do a quick summary of Modify Memory. You would target one creature's memories, and the creature must make a wisdom save. On a failed save, the creature essentially becomes charmed by you... It becomes incapacitated and unaware of its surroundings as you uh, are able to actually manipulate its memories. It's a fifth level spell. Um, you can change the target's memory of an event it experienced within the last 24 hours. It lasted no more than 10 minutes. You can permanently eliminate all memory of the event, allow the target to recall the event with perfect clarity, or change its memory of specific details of that event. Or you can create a memory of some other event, or right? Or create a completely new memory. And its mind fills in the gaps, uh, the details of the description. Uh, it doesn't, however, affect the creature's behavior, particularly if a memory contradicts the creature's natural inclinations, alignment, or beliefs. So it actually states an illogically modified memory could potentially uh, cause the creature to believe it was just a bad dream. Well, you, you left out the example, which it says, a memory of how much the creature enjoys dousing itself in acid. Is dismissed as a bad <laughs> At higher levels, you can actually go farther back into the creature's memory. Sixth level, it's seven days. At seventh level, you can do it from 30 days ago. At eighth level, a year ago. And at ninth level, you can do any memory in the creature's memory. So my, my question I posed at one point was, if you as the DM are using modify memory, how do you potentially stop it from allowing metagaming to occur? Because it can only happen looking backwards. Like the memory has to have occurred. And and I could only think of one specific scenario in which you could potentially use this without the player knowing its memory was modified. And that was if the player, for example, enters a room in which uh, the villain is at. And the villain's trying to protect some information and knows that the players are close by and is going to modify the memory of whoever's there so that they can try to escape. Whatever scuffle might take place, the villain still casts Modify Memory, and if it's successful, the player has no recollection that the villain was ever there. My thought on that was, as a DM, you could potentially have the player enter the room, have them cast, have them do the saving throw. If they're successful, then you just play out the event as if the villain is there and they deal with all that. The villain does attempt it, and the player realizes, oh, my character's memory was attempted to be modified, but I resisted it. If they fail... You could potentially just have them walk into an empty room. The the character, not the character. I, I enjoy that option the most. The less you have, you give the players the ability to metagame, the more interesting the story becomes. <laughs> but I, I, I also realize that that's a very, very rare edge case to have that happen. And in fact, it did happen in your game as well, Bethany, where whose character walked into the bar looking for so-and-so? Um, <laughs> Wayward. He, Nick did a good job. He did, but he walked into the bar trying to find this one particular shady character, but the character didn't immediately wipe his 
memory because there were too many unknown variables. He only did right. it once he started failing deception checks, which makes sense. Basically, when it went sideways, he's like, okay, this is I'm going to bail myself out and get out of here. Right. I think first Nick tried to uh, tail him. Mm-hmm. He failed the stealth check, and yep. then he tried to talk his way out of it, and he failed his checks there. But there was no way you could have done a, a mind wipe first before any of that happened. Well, that's because there's no knowing what would have happened along the way. This this particular NPC didn't know he was going to need to do a Yeah, you can, ex- you can explain a little bit of the background on the NPC, Tony. The NPC was actually an NPC from uh, my character's backstory who had used Modify Memory on my uh, on Uthal and wiped his memory of having assist, having been charmed. So the NPC was a bard who used charm spells to take advantage of unsuspecting people and sell them fake goods, basically. And the Goliaths had caught him and imprisoned him. Yep, and from there, that's when he used a charm spell to essentially have my character free him. In the process, uh, he killed my character's uh, brother. And he also modified Uthal's memory so that he would have no recollection of what happened. Uthal just woke up in in the empty jail cell. This is a bad dude. With his brother. With his with his, with with his, his brother. brother. Oh, that's just terrible. Yeah, this is why I hated this guy. By he the was way. a really evil bard. He was really <laughs> evil. And then in in the campaign, we come across him, and he's trying to escape as as Uthal's trying to track him down, essentially with the party. I think this is this particular discussion speaks more for metagaming as a whole, mm-hmm. and you and you really can only get away with certain edge cases here. Um, I think the best case scenario, if you're doing online games and not in person games, that could lead to some interesting results. And I've done a couple of those, which I really enjoy because uh, the players can keep a lot more secrets between themselves or or away from themselves. Well, you can you can send secret messages and stuff like that. Right. So you can communicate directly with the DM a lot more frequently about this, that, or the other. So uh, if you had some um, creative players who thought it'd be funny to steal some gold or something from, from another player character, a lot of that stuff flow, flies way below the radar when you're secretly messaging the DM. Well, people do text me when we're face-to-face sometimes. This happens. Um, mm-hmm. but, but not as much. Right. It takes but, a little bit more time to do that. Yeah, and, and I think that that's really, really cool. Whenever, remember, it's an option, it's a very powerful one depending on what you're trying to do. But I can totally see, say, Wayward having this conversation with you privately if this game were played on online, and after having been mind-wiped, return to the rest of the party saying, no, I never saw him, and we just legit believe it. But that still wouldn't really work because then every single conversation that was between me and a player, when the others were there, would have to be private, so there'd be a lot of nothing happening. Like, there would be a lot of points where the rest of the party's, like, just in silence. Mm-hmm. That would be the only issue with that, potentially, yeah. if, if players go on their own. No, I don't I don't disagree, and, that, and that's definitely sort of an issue. But you'd have a good point. No, I agree. I, I actually like the idea. Yeah, and the only reason I bring that up as, as a potential was because I know that while we tried very hard not to metagame, I think we searched the town maybe... A little longer than we would have had we not known that his memory was wiped. It's really tough to know, and that's the, that's the problem with metagaming. So, to give you an idea, my character went hunting for this guy for over a year after he escaped. Um, and the only reason he stopped was because he was about to die. Yeah. So, Josh, from secrets from the DM side... Yeah. 
I, I tend to put in precautions so that you guys cannot take too much advantage of metagaming. One thing okay. I, I tend to remind you guys, and for another, you weren't going to find him. I wasn't going to let you take advantage of information you shouldn't have. Okay, okay. So, I think that, that that's kind of what the DM's job is, the safeguard against that sort of thing. And you guys actually are overall pretty good about not metagaming. I'm very proud of you. We try. It's <laughs> tough sometimes. Yeah, and I think we did a really, really good job. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's a lot like in a courtroom when somebody mm-hmm. says something that the, the, the jury hears and the, the judge has to say, just pretend you didn't hear it. It's like, yeah. yeah disregard it. <laughs> right, but you still heard it. It's going to impact yep. your actions, and it's just not measurable as to how much that is. So... A lot of ho- a hoops have to be jumped through to get to that point. But there's really no way around it with Modify Memory. It's too sticky of a spell. It's too subjective. I mean, it works great if it's from the players to an NPC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, that yeah. works great because then the DM's like, okay, I will make a note of this and I will not take advantage of this. So it's a lot easier because then it's just one person having to change what they right. <laughs> are acting on. But still, I think narratively it was very fun. It was very interesting. Oh, it was a blast. Well, it, it, and then it, it felt so much better when you guys got to kill him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which actually, Tony, do you want to briefly share the story? At least of the end of the fight. <laughs> oh, not of where I got a banishing smite and had dropped down to one HP? Yeah, yeah, that that part. That part's a good part. <laughs> <laughs> that part's a good part. Um, so we do finally catch up to him and cast, uh, I believe, Josh Zolas cast silence on the area so he wouldn't be able to cast spells. That's correct. He rushed just outside of the sphere and was able to catch Vanishing Smite on a critical hit on me. With his rapier. With his rapier. Um, and I just basically disappeared from view. Uh, I think I only got saved because I used uh, Stone's Endurance. You used your Stone's Endurance to reduce the damage so you had one hit point as you were in a pocket dimension. Rather than unconscious and making death saves in a pocket dimension. <laughs> Yeah, and during that time, the rest of the party just beat the living daylights out of him. Yeah, we did. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy I actually reappeared just in time to rush up and get the killing blow. It's as if these stories are written by somebody. Like, how much justice is that that you get the killing blow? I did not actually fudge the roll. I know. Just, he, had, he had like three hit points left when Uthal made it back. I know. What poetic timing. <laughs> Some of this just works out really well. Yeah, the amount of times it actually just happens the right way. Yeah. And you're all like, yeah, we hate bars. <laughs> <laughs> we hate bars. That was a funny thing, uh, Bethany, because in, in my game, you wound up getting the killing blow on, on the person you wanted revenge on. Oh, yeah, the guy we mentioned earlier who murdered my, my mother. Uh, how much, did he have like two hit points left or something? He has uh, two hit points, yes. And I was able to slash him. I didn't have a really good one-liner, which I feel like is appropriate when you get that killing blow. Um, because I'm not really into... I mean, so we do watch Critical Role, and uh, Tony especially is a big fan of How Do You Want to Do It? Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, for some of our players, involves like, well, I would like to describe how I like vivisect them. <laughs> um, <laughs> For me, with my character, it's mostly, well, I stab him, obviously, and uh, I'll say something s- snappy and, and just let him die. That, that, that's cool. I'm just going to keep it simple. Or like Ash, I beat him to death with my giant hammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I smash him into his pulp yep. is, I think, your, your typical thing. Whereas Tony tends to get much more specific. Not, not too specific, just... It usually involves decapitation. I have a sword. It makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a go-to. Always an excellent choice. And see, I have a pickaxe, or a war pick now, so that's like, <laughs> what kind of damage is that? Like, ugh. 
I mind them to death. <laughs> I gouge their. I don't want to think about that one from too their much. chest, like their sternum down to their belly button, just gouge. It tends to be easiest for the sorcerers who are like, "Well, I just set them on fire." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know. They turn to ash. That seems fair. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, actually, since we brought up that whole fight real quick, it, does anyone want to talk about uh, what spell did I do on the beholder? Suggestion. Suggestion. Do we want to talk about that? Rachel, I don't think you've heard this, the full story yeah, yet. I don't know what this how, is. how awful we are. <laughs> this just happened last week. She hasn't, yeah. I feel terrible. <laughs> Josh as a human feels bad about it. <laughs> to preface this a little bit, they started this fight perfectly fine, and by the end of it, uh, Josh felt like a terrible human being. <laughs> I still don't know what to do. I, I have a friend now. I have to, I have to put down a pet. So I'm going to mention, first of all, this is this is kind of spoilers. This is definitely this is, spoilers. This is spoilers for... For Out of the Abyss. But this Beholder and uh, the agent that they were meeting with, the one that had killed Ara's yeah. mother... We, we can give it by name since we're already doing spoilers. It's Gazrim Duloc are basically best friends and have been for quite a while. And Josh, as, as knowledge, uh, rushed out of the Beholder's uh, anti-magic cone, cast suggestion using, like... What, what was all of it? Ben Luck and... I used Ben Luck to add a D4 against him, and then I also used... Oh, uh, there was a sorcerer ability. You used your, you used your metamagic ability to impose disadvantage yes. on the save. Yes. And I had to get both, apparently, to, to beat this guy's DC. His plus seven wisdom, by yeah. the way. So I rolled disadvantage, he, he got the save, and he suggested that... Uh, I know exactly what I said. I said, uh, he is an imposter. I am the real Gazrum Duloc. T- to be fair, Tony did realize that we did it slightly wrong. Yeah. Um, but basically you could say, treat me as if I am Gazrum Duloc. And as if he <laughs> is an imposter. This is true. So, winds up being the same. And the Beholder wound up helping to kill his best friend, and then turned on the rest of the agents in the room... And proceeded to charm one to, and actually told him, slaughter your allies, cause fear in another, and use his enervation ray to uh, disintegrate the other two. And by the end of this, they're in a room full of a bunch of dead, slaughtered agents, a beholder floating that believes that uh, knowledge is basically his best friend after he had just killed his best friend. And that's where the session ended. So what's the worst thing in the world that you can do to a creature? Trick them into thinking that their best friend's not their best friend and having them kill them? I think I did that. I think I did the worst thing in the world. Well, not, well, not thinking, just acting. No, it's even worse than that. You didn't make him think it. You didn't, like, deceive him. He knows. He just can't do anything about it. Wait, did we retcon or did we... So essentially the way it winds up working is he is treating you as if you are Gazrim Duloc. Okay. All right. So we kind of because of the fact that uh, suggestion actually says you have to give an action. Okay, I, I understand. <laughs> so he is internally screaming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But he can't do anything. It's even worse than you thought it was. Oh God. Okay. Well, now it's going to be easier to put him down. I think. <laughs> so the big <laughs> thing, of course, is they know that they can't just let this beholder live because this beholder is a high-ranking member of the Zentrum. Well, and he's a freaking beholder. He's a. Gimpy beholder, though. He's scarred. He's missing eye stock. Oh, he would revenge murder me so hard, given the chance. No, no, we're just gonna paralyze him and then quietly stab him. <laughs> it's the only humane thing to do. It really I'm is. Sorry. 
My character will do it if she has to. She's a dark elf. This isn't that far outside of her wheelhouse. We're going to paralyze him and then stab him. <laughs> oh. No, this this is going to get oh, dark. We didn't explain the paralysis oh, part. No, we didn't. Oh, yeah, they found a uh, carrion crawler mucus, Ugh. which is a poison from carrion crawlers that paralyze uh, an enemy if they fail the saving throw. Yeah. And they did that to Gazrim Dulak. Well, so let me explain. We had this elaborate plan, which we were pretty sure wasn't going to work, where we were going to, like, make these bags with the poison in it and then wear gloves so you could, like, dip your, your hand in the glove in the poison and then apply it to a creature. And I'm like, this is never going to work. Hey, guys, this is a terrible idea. To specify quickly, um, the poison is only active when it comes in contact with skin. So we can't put it on our weapons to stab with. You can't put it in food either to have them drink it. Basically, when combat started and the anti-magic field went into effect, uh, my character went ahead and stuck her hand in the mucus with her glove and then went and tried to slap Gazrum Dulak <laughs> across the face. And she did. <laughs> and it worked! And he failed his save. We were all blown away. Yeah, we're like, what? Plan A worked? Well, sort of plan B. Um, and which point he was paralyzed, so all attacks on him were crits. And we proceeded to murderize him. I really don't know how he could have won that fight without everything that happened. Happening. Right? It was really tough fight. Because it was our fourth combat of it the day? It was your fourth combat of the day. They fought two sets of Duragar. Um, They had a fight with a bunch of drow, and then they fought... The Beholder and Gazrim. So, like, the Sorcerer was pretty much out of spells. The Cleric was out of spells. I couldn't cast spells because I was in an anti-magic field. So it was just, like, all we had was stabbing. <laughs> all we had was stabbing. <laughs> Fortunately, we're good at stabbing. It was not a good scene. So I'm glad it worked out. But now I have a thing to dispose of. And yeah, I don't know that knowledge would care all that much. But Joshua, Joshua's in tears i was at the end of the game i'm like tony is the is the is the session ending because i need to go like i need to use the bathroom i need to, i need a moment oh i ended the session there because you needed to emotionally process this i need a moment <laughs> you're like we're bad people <laughs> i felt so evil so rachel as it out somebody was not part of it what do you think of this is this a, an evil thing to have done or just Solidly not good. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Just neutral. Uh, our our alignments, I believe, are chaotic good, neutral good, and true neutral. I, I'm leaning towards solidly neutral or solidly not good. Okay. Or sorry, yeah, yeah, like definitely not good. Yeah, they're not evil because you weren't initially going in with the malicious intent of you know being complete and other jerks. No, and and he to be fair. He was really obnoxious when he told the story of murdering my mom. He did this in order to get a rise out yeah. of her. Yeah, he was really specific about it. And then he told me that she wasn't a drow, and I don't believe him because that's I mean, as true. being a, a DM that's had really obnoxious players before... Um, <laughs> <laughs> are, are you talking about us? I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> Well, and I hope I can phrase this right, but Tony... You can you can really do like a snotty. Oh, I killed your mom, and it was great. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, uh-huh. so well. Uh-huh. Oh, you didn't even know her. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're coming to assassinate me. Uh-huh. I will kill you. <laughs> I will kill you. Well, thank you. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
I think I'm trying to think of characters we have hated, like or from both sides. The characters you guys hate the most. The Wraith. The Wraith. Oh, he's the most evil thing I've ever had. The one with the kid. Yeah, yeah the one eating the kids' souls, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah. kept a group of orphans for you know snacks. <laughs> Like a bag of Cheetos. He kept children for food. In a closet. In a closet. In a hidden closet. That I'm like, there is something behind this wall. There has to be. There was a moment where as DM, I thought you guys were just going to leave. Well, and, and the creepy thing is, is once we found one wall with children in it, we're like, we have to break every wall. Search if every we, wall. If we miss a cupboard, that's... D- that's dead children. children. That's terrible. So you guys did save all the children. Like some of them were in bad shape, but uh, you did like lay on hands with your your palette and Rachel, and they were all okay. Yes. I think we were all so worried that you, as a DM, had to go. Guys, there's no more children. You got them all. Let's move yeah, on. Like, no, I'm not evil. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to like later throw it in your face. Oh yeah, there were a hundred children back there, <laughs> and you only saved ten. Uh. You only saved ten. Um, but you guys were like, oh, this is, this is evil. So I'm like, oh, great. Now I know where I've set the bar for evil. <laughs> like, <laughs> orphans. Yeah. I yeah. think killing children's probably like the, it's pretty up there on the, on the evil meter. That's high. But you've yeah. adopted them now, yeah. Ash, and you, they gave, they all have capes, and shoes. right? Capes and shoes. And shoes. <laughs> Magic outfits. They do. They're my little army. But other than that, I think that's the most evil. Whereas some of the evil characters you guys have liked, like the shadow dragon. She's not evil. She just misunderstood. <laughs> she just wants friends. She's not eating kids' souls like they're Cheez-Its. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. That's not what she's doing. She wanted us for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but aside from that, there was the the bard from, from the Uthal's backstory. You guys really hated him. Brunini. You really liked killing him. Well, he almost got away. That's why I was so upset. But honestly, the ones you hate the most are the ones who try to monologue. I never get to monologue as <laughs> okay, a villain. Okay, that's, I that's a size issue right there. <laughs> so many times you guys walk into the room with the villain, they're like, ha ha, let me tell you about my evil. <laughs> Punch him in the throat. <laughs> we weren't a fan of Helen Ray like, either, though. Oh. oh, that's right. So that, that's a little bit of a spoiler, but not a lot. So Helen Ray was this uh, blind monk who, uh, when the players were, or characters were pretending to join the Earth cult, Uthal, Tony's character, was sent to uh, study under her. I'm still mad about this. So uh, he's a fighter, so he's... Uh, heavily armored. Heavily armored, good with swords, and uh, she is a monk with uh, blind sight. <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to bring armor or weapons. And uh, she... Yeah, beat him up in front of everyone. And my uh, 21 AC became an 11. <laughs> and she made fun of him too, and knocked him prone and just sort of pummeled him. And uh, he never really forgave her for that up until he killed her. I think I shattered her knee. Yeah, you were really yeah. brutal. I was not happy with her. In that fight, my <laughs> character spent like three rounds stunned with like six hit points. Oh. <laughs> I kept trying to get her attention no. too because she kept paralyzing you. Yeah, and I'm just you. like, I'm just going to sit here stunned for another round. I'm so with my sorry six hit points that. and I can't do anything. <laughs> I feel so bad as a DM when that happens. I'm like, really bad luck. Yeah, because I couldn't, cause, because I was stunned, I couldn't like heal myself. I couldn't heal anybody else. I couldn't attack her. I couldn't move. I was trying so hard to kill her before she knocked you unconscious. Well, once she, once I was stunned, she stopped kind of like 
beating the crap out of me. She just turned around and was like, stay stunned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you're fine. <laughs> I will move on. We tried to use silence on her. I don't recall that working all that well. You got hit pretty early on, so it actually dropped early. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, it worked for like one round, maybe two. Yeah, it didn't work super long. It didn't work long enough. <laughs> it was a good idea. Yeah, take away her hearing and she can't do anything. She can't see, so. You, you guys dealt with her pretty quickly, though. Well, she, we knew she was the biggest threat here. <gasps> Wait, that was... Oh, I remember that. That was actually the fight where the mayor, like, gave this entire description and then had oh. to redo it. Okay, yeah. okay, oh, yeah. So you have to take it back. So uh, <laughs> so this character who was uh, the rogue who was elected mayor had created the with this, this, his disguise kit an alternate identity for himself where he was like this little... I don't even know how to describe Squeebo. Gremlin. Yeah, like a gremlin. Like a gremlin. But he would use to try to like lure people into thinking he wasn't a threat. He liked fish, raw fish, I think. Yeah, yeah. He liked to, and he liked to like just <clears throat> squeebo eat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He would just like take stuff and like ride around on uh, Uthal's back, like Luke with Yoda. That was part of his thing. Um. So in the whole time they'd been in the the Black Earth Temple, uh, he had been in the character of Squeebo. To allow him to sneak around and figure out what was going on. So, uh, you guys were actually, like, below the grate and the floor of the throne room, and he decided to, like, get up there and... What was his plan? He was gonna, um, oh, distract gonna... them to send some of the people out of the room yeah. so that we just had to fight, like, her. Yeah, so he got up there and made this whole speech, like, oh no, there's some danger over there! And all of us at the table were just like, why are like, <laughs> that's not Squavo! He RP'd, though, a glorious two-minute description of what was going on. It was really long, and I was like, do, do you want to take it back? I'll, I'll let you take it back. He rolled like a 26 per, or deception. He, he rolled a really good, yeah. yeah. He rolled a really and good check. that's why you allowed him to try again and squeeze up. <laughs> as soon as he like, started talking, all of us oh. were just like, Oh no! And we didn't say anything. We let him keep going. The whole time. No, you did not meta game at all. You're just like we were oh, very no. good. Was was Nick? Nick was there for that, right? Nick was yeah. there. Okay, because I remember looking at you, Tony, and looking at Nick, and I realized when I looked at you, I've missed something. But I was like, <laughs> he RP'd that excellently. What's the problem? And there was this awkward pause where Bethany, you were like, so you rolled a twenty-seven. I'm going to give you a chance to redo that as Squeebo. And it hit me in the stomach like a pound of bricks. Just, oh, no. Would you like to try again? And we're all like, yeah. Oh, it was so sad. That's the hard thing about having an alternate identity. (laughs) You lose track so easily. Who am Uh, I right now? It was beautiful. It was the most bittersweet, delicious thing that's ever happened. (laughs) You guys were all like cringing, like, yeah. oh, thank goodness it wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this could go horribly uh, wrong or not. <laughs> yeah. So, Josh, we've gotten a bit off topic. Yeah, we have. We have enough for a whole other podcast. Modify memory. <laughs> Tales from D&D. <laughs> That's quite all right, I think. We'll just, we'll see what happens. Um it's really entertaining at the very least. I get a lot out of this, so I hope I hope everybody <laughs> and that's Oh, this is a blast. And Josh, that's who we're doing it for. <laughs> we're just doing it for you, Josh. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, I see here we, we, we have calendars. Anybody want to bring up calendars or where? Oh, well, this is sort of unrelated. I just thought it was interesting that, like, the way calendars work in D&D is, uh, at least in the Forgotten Realms, which is where my campaign and Tony's campaign take place because they're, is someone eating? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Josh might be as well, apparently. <laughs> I just heard like a, like a, like a, like a, like a little munching sound. By the way, thanks for the lifesavers. <laughs> Are there still some left? Maybe. Oh my goodness. I, w- I wouldn't comment, but it's like in my ears. <laughs> like someone crunch, is behind me chewing. <laughs> So calendars. Um, so typically the years in the Forgotten Realms are listed as DR, which is Dale Reckoning. Um, and years have numbers, but they're also given like a label, a descriptive title. And I think this was mostly because when the authors were writing the books, they gave these labels to the years. And the idea is the same year could have multiple labels <laughs> to sort of cover some mistakes that might be made. But typically calendars don't really come up a lot in the campaign, at least not in mine, because so little time has passed. So we don't worry much about seasons changing because it's been two months. Also, um, I'm realizing we live in Florida, which doesn't really have seasons, so I forget about them. Wait, those are a thing? We have hurricane season. Have and <laughs> um, and then summer. And those two weeks when we wear sweaters and complain. Because it's 70. Even though it's only, what, mid-70? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, it's 60 degrees out. Better get my scarves. <laughs> I need my it. seat warmers. <laughs> but uh, in Tony's campaign, I know, Josh, at one point you as a player were, were kind of going to try to keep track of how much time was passing with a calendar. Yeah, and I'm pissed at myself for not doing it more because I really enjoy that. I did it in one other campaign where I had a calendar printed out, and I find it a very useful note-taking tool, especially for just keeping track of how many days have gone by in game. Because sometimes, like in yours, Bethany, how long have we been actually playing your game? In real-world time? A year and a half? Yeah, we started... Over a year. Yeah, we started the summer before this past summer. Remember we celebrated our, our uh, game <laughs> anniversary? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, you weren't there. Oh. oh. Josh, you were working. Oh, you were working. Mm. The rest of us celebrated. I made a cake. <laughs> yeah, Rachel made a cake. And Nick made cupcake things. Um, he made the little D20 mm-hmm. cakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got... Oh, I remember having those. You gave me yeah. leftovers. They were delicious. But yeah, yes. I had so, multicolored uh, poo afterwards. So in real world time, <laughs> thank you for sharing, Josh. That is the level of detail I want to hear about your life. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just came out, though. <laughs> well, I just remember because it was like blue and green and I was... <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> I am focused. <laughs> so calendars? So calendars. Um, so uh, real world time, it's been about a year and a half. Game time, it's been about two months. Because almost all of our sessions are like a day to a day and a half. Mm-hmm. Occasionally you, when you guys are like having downtime, it's three days. Whereas in Tony's campaign, it's totally different. Because he'll be like, so what do you want to do for the next 30 days? That has the issue with mine that there is so much travel time, and I don't really like the random encounter rolls. So I wind up, I, I'll throw encounters at the party, but for stuff like, oh, you come across a cave with some crystals in it. Yeah, there's actually not much there. There's some crystals in it. That That's it. Um, and then nothing happens the next, like, six days. So while there's, like, a certain degree of RP that you guys will do during that time, or you'll start practicing something, 
Um, we just had not the most recent session, but the one right before all took place over the course of, uh, about two and a half, 10 day. And then you have something like last session, which took place in five hours of in-game time. So there's just a huge amount of, of, of difference in terms of just the amount of time that goes by in, in out of the abyss. Whereas you spend, I think you guys have been in game roughly like five or six months while in Prince of the Apocalypse, we've gotten two months. Yeah. It's largely because the, the map that you guys have covered, um, Prince of the Apocalypse is a valley. So it's like half a day's journey across the map for the most part. Yeah. So like you don't have to spend months traveling mm-hmm. unless you, um, you know, travel by Sky Castle. In which case you can cut down even like trips across the map, which is what you guys did. Yay. But this does lead to you. I think at least once a session, somebody says, how long ago was that yep. when something comes up? Because I know it's really hard to keep track of. Oh, do you remember when we uh, destroyed that elemental artifact? OK, in real world time, that was like three months ago. Oh, that was last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <In> game time. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? We like did that when it was like two days ago in game time. <laughs> yeah. That's why I find the calendar such a useful tool because it can kind of remind you of, of as a player how to play that out. And also it's just a really handy, quick way to write some notes down and stuff. I wish I'd have kept it up in, in Tony's game. Otherwise I love calendars for that. Yeah. And I'm actually making for, for, I'm making a homebrewed game with a custom calendar because the dates are going to be very important. Ooh. Um, because they're going to deal with things that happen kind of... I don't want to give anything away in case any of you guys end up playing in my game. <laughs> but there... Uh, have have we been invited? I, I'm still writing all the material. Oh, oh. I have a map <laughs> and I have a calendar. A very extensive calendar. That's a good start. Because, like I said, it matters, it, it matters on what day things fall. Like, if they fall on a Saturday versus if they fall on a Sunday. So hmm. things like that hmm. will will be super super important, and I think it just depends on like the campaign you're running. Like Prince of the Apocalypse, does it really matter if it's Tuesday or Wednesday? No. Well, the the one thing you guys have finally adjusted to the idea of referring to things as being a ten day ago. I'm really proud of you for making the transition from a week to a ten day. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, yeah. But in a sense, it's kind of easier. You're like, oh, a month. It's been three ten day. That works out. Yeah. I remember the coolest calendar I've ever seen for D&D. I think it was for Pathfinder. But it was this... Somebody had made it in Excel, and it was completely modular, customizable. You can set the date in one of the sheets, and then you'd flip over to the calendar part, and all of it just made sense. So you could create very powerful calendars in that mm. in that fashion. So I'll have to put that up on the uh, show notes, just because it's really cool from a technical perspective as well. Um, and also for if anybody has a calendar they need made, it, it's kind of nifty to see how they did that in the code. But unfortunately, it is a seven-day per week, so it's not a 10-day kind of thing. One of the uh, the good things about having a campaign that is, like, with it having been, like, two months, like, most of most everything reflects, reflects real-world time except combat. Like, you guys typically get to RP stuff in real time. So, like, the bonds that you build as characters are really based in what you guys have RP'd instead of having to summarize it, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, we became better friends over those three months when stuff happened. And I think that's why the group is so connected. Yeah, I would say yeah, so. Yeah, I think that does make sense. I like that when the time gives you a chance to really take part in the world and not just in isolated incidents, which I think is something I enjoy as a player and as a DM because it's so easy to do a campaign where you just murder things, bounce from place to place. Yeah, <laughs> killing things, yep. looting things, 
moving on to the next thing to kill and loot, which you guys also do, but that's not the whole experience. Yeah. Well, and I think what better way to to end this episode than with a, a warm recollection of memories of all the good times. <laughs> no dark mentions of nope. anything. No. <laughs> good old Grindo. Mm. <laughs> Grindo's buns. <laughs> Those half-work buns. Mm. 